But this is Duca on the move for Montreal. Billy Duca, let's see what he does. A left foot shot, that's in! Billy Duca beat his man, and the Rutgers product makes it 1-0 Montreal. This is Off the Woodworks with Kevin Laramie, the longest-running podcast entirely dedicated to the Montreal Impact. It's wide open now, Malice, plenty of room. As Pachuca have five players lined up across the back. An opportunity! Good day, good night, and welcome to a brand new edition of Off The Woodworks. It's been a week and a half since the last show, and a lot of things happened since then. Well, uh, Montreal tied Orlando City in their home opener at the Stade Zaputo on uh, March 28th, so last Saturday. Montreal had a weekend off this weekend, preparing for their semi-final CONCACAF Champions League second leg, the away game which we will be previewing in the second segment on the show today. But we'll start off today by reviewing this 2-2 game at the Big O, Orlando, and uh, the Montreal Impact. And it was to before that game, before the Orlando, and before the Montreal-Orlando game, it was Montreal, the FC Montreal, making their historical debut versus, uh, well, their rival in the USL now. Toronto FC 2. So we'll have on the show as well Philippe Lafroix with his post-game comments after the FC Montreal game, which I had the pleasure to attend. It was a great game. It was about a 1,000, maybe 1,500. It's hard to to say about uh, fans that attended the game. It was uh, great to see the players battle hard. It was a, a game that actually happened the way I thought it would and the way a lot of people predicted it would. At the beginning, Montreal did struggle but at the end of the day, even though they lost 2 nothing in that game, well, they were able to find their feet in the middle of the game. And they had some very good spells controlling the ball and being dangerous on some occasion. And they had more occasion scoring chances against Toronto FC than they did in their last preseason game against Ottawa Fury. So it's an improvement there. I loved a lot of uh, uh, a post-game comments. So we'll put as well on this show here, uh, Victor Ndiaye, uh, John Dinkota. And uh, there's another player which uh, escapes me right now. But uh, there's three players that we interviewed. Uh, Actually, it's LBG. So we have Louis Belangoyet, John Dincota, and Victor Ndiaye, all in French. Uh, I'll put that at the end of the show and I'll uh, do the translation for you all. Well, I like the expressions that the players did after the game. No excuses, ready to battle, being honest about saying they need to be more hungry if they want to have success in this league. And I really like that. And I like the fact that they're not going to make the excuse that they're younger and they come from a, sm- a smaller level and they're like graduating to the professionals. They don't want, don't want that to be the narrative of the season. They don't want this to be as well an excuse on the field. So those type of of attitude towards the team in FC Montreal, I really agree with. I really like the way they are uh, bringing up that group of kids that have been playing together for a while and making them 
Uh, yes, it's a cliche they became professionals, but in every sense of the words, they're making everything possible to get the better results. And I really hope that it gets more traction and people really get into DFC Montreal and USL. And if you like the USL, you can always listen to USL Radio, the only podcast entirely dedicated to the USL, hosted by yours truly and Dwayne Rollins. And you can now, uh, drum rolls, well, maybe not. Well, a new website is being born. In the next couple of days, uslradio.com will be born. Uh, until then, there's a, a better version or a uh, in-the-meantime version, which is uslradio.wordpress.com. You can get all the USL radio shows and articles that I will be writing as well as Dwayne and probably as other contributors around the league on this brand new website coming in in a couple of weeks, uslradio.com. And if you're fans of all the other shows that we do here on Off the Woodwork Studios, well, uh, there's a very good chance that, well, you know you can read my work uh, on this Canadian Soccer News, uh, Two Solitudes and you know, Off the Woodworks are published on Canadian Soccer News as well. And you can probably, in the next week or so, Listen to the Five Rings Podcast on fiveringspodcast.com. In a couple of weeks, the website will be up as well. So other different ways you can be part of the show and be part of the community. That's the beauty with having a website eventually is there's places for you to comment. There's places for you to write your own articles and contribute your own content to uh, the Off The Woodwork Studios family of content. So that's the future. And we really... Uh, I'm really happy about everything that's going on with all the changes, but let's get back to Montreal and FC Montreal. So, 2 nothing loss against Toronto FC, their rival now in USL. Uh, Toronto did look very much more of a consistent team. They used, not that they, Montreal knew each other as well, but what I mean is they're used to being maybe pushed against the ropes, if you want me to use a boxing analogy. They're used to maybe face a little bit more adversity, which Montreal, yes, they're battle-tested. They dominated, though, in the PDL and the USSTA in the last couple of years. Now, it's different. Montreal's facing adversity in a different way, and I think they'll get used to this eventually. But when you're looking at Toronto, that's what they did in League One. Yes, they dominated League One last year in, Toronto, in uh, Ontario, League One Ontario, which is the semi-pro or Division Three league, you could say, in Canada right now. Well, uh, it's the PLSQ of Ontario, if you want to reach a better term. But League One is a bit bigger than PLSQ because of uh, they have the more, the more backing of uh, the MLS team involved, which is not the case yet in the PLSQ. And once again, I'll reiterate, I would love to see an impact team in there. And I think the future that we will see that is very soon because, yes, at the beginning, they were afraid that the players that play in uh, that league, they would be tested by the other team because like the superstars represent the big club of the province. And I don't know if that's going to be the case in the future, but who hopefully it's a way forward. Now, the Ottawa Fury are pa- part of the PLSQ makes sense with FC Gets Notres across the river. So that's going to be interesting to see that progress. There are two, a lot of great news in development of soccer and Canadian soccer in the last couple of weeks. And just great new teams, great new rivalries like Montreal, Toronto, and USL. A lot of great potential for Canadian players to grow in the more options and the more chances they have on a professional level right now. It's been years, if not decades, that there's been this much of... Canadian players playing at home at a professional level. Take a look at any way you want. With the quotas in place with all the three new USL teams. And you can almost say League One is almost almost professional. I would, 
They're very close to it. Same for the PLSQ. So count all that. The opportunities for Canadian soccer players on a pro level have never been this high. And I believe this might be the future for uh, the Quebec scene, for the Canadian scene, for Canadian soccer as a whole. Eventually, we want our own league, but the best way to get there is to start with the teams, and eventually you'll have enough teams to create your own league this way. And this is a narrative that we've been talking about a lot on Two Solitudes and even USL Radio, and now I brought it to off Dude Work, so I made the round with it. So there you go. So uh, going back to Toronto, a, a great game. They did deserve that win against FC Montreal. Like I was stating earlier, FC Montreal were able to find some some space in the midfield, which... Wasn't able, wasn't easy in the beginning. Players like Fabio Morelli were overwhelmed at the, beginning, at the beginning of the game just in midfield. It was crowded. They always had one, if not two players on their heels. And I believe Toronto did their homework before that game because they really covered Fabio Morelli, which is one of the bright prospects of the Academy of Montreal and of FC Montreal. He is a product of Switzerland. He's been was in Canada since 2011 or 2012. I can't remember from the top of my head, but it's been a couple years or a few years he's been with the team. So he's a great product and hopefully he'll be able to find more space on the field in the next, excuse me, be able to find some space on the field in the next couple of days, next couple of weeks, especially on April 11th. The first game outdoors for FC Montreal on that turf practice pitch next to Saputo Stadium will be the game against the Rochester Rhinos uh, unless it changes until then but if it's possible this game will be played in those conditions and it's just another part of having this team in this country and maybe use that advantage to yourself against the Rochester Rhinos an old rival of the Montreal Impact of the Montreal Impact traveling back to Montreal to face a new team that is sporting the blue, the white, and the black, and that is the FC Montreal. It will be uh, old time facing a new reality, an old rival with a brand new team, but the same city. It's going to be another great game, and hopefully they will be able to get their first goal of the season, and who knows, maybe their first win. A team that did get a couple of goals this season, but still haven't won a league game. The Montreal Impact. Have tied 2-2 against Orlando City Soccer Club, or you prefer the Lions, which made their first trip to Montreal as a MLS team. And I have to say, with all the hype with Kaka, and I was not expecting much this year. And I have to say, he made a believer out of me. Kaka has been impressive, not just against Montreal, but basically in every time he has sported the purple on his shoulder. Every time he represented Orlando, he always steps it up. And the work rate that Kaka does in Major League Soccer in the first couple of games that he had amazes me. I was not expecting that amount of work rate because seeing him play the last couple of years, which was hard because he was either in Brazil, not really playing, but not really available to us, or in Europe, not playing, so on the bench. So he didn't have the most successful last couple of years in professional soccer, Kaka. But this year, when he comes to MLS, he starts to dominate the work rate that he does, always trying the second, third effort, and sometimes doesn't assist on the third effort that leads to a goal, like Orlando City's first goal against Montreal, which is basically the epitome of Kaka's season so far in Major League Soccer. The work rate, second, third effort creates 
opportunity for either himself or for a player, for a teammate, and creates either a goal or another chance, or a corner or a set piece, and creates another chance. That Kaká has been a MVP type of player so far this season. If it wasn't for Rivero in uh, Vancouver, which... Listen to the next two Sawtooth podcasts. I believe me and Dwayne will have to do our mea culpa and say that Vancouver were better than we thought they would because right now, looking at one of the strong team in MLF, it's not the strongest team in MLS with Dallas. But going back to Kaka, it's been really impressive. Another thing that impressed me is uh, Nacho Piatti is really getting there. He's getting really fit. You can tell by, yeah, it's a cliche, but it, look at how he, he looks. Look at his neck. Look at his shoulders. Look at his waist barely has a waist so thin but he's really getting into it he's finding himself he's finding his marks on the pitch and finding his teammate the link up play with Jack McInerney was never as good as the last game and that's a good thing it means it's getting better from game to game there's progress there's continuity there's affinity being created on the field which you can call chemistry so eventually that chemistry is going to turn into more goals and we saw Piatti score on a a penalty kick because of a a ball that handled in the area, which was weird because it was like confused. It wasn't really clear, especially if you're listening to it in with your Orlando City feed in English. <laughs> after the whistle, the commentators never put it over. They're like, "Oh, uh, t- uh, okay, foul." Seems there's a foul in the box. Never did mention penalty. Then, oh, if there's a hand foul in the box, oh, then there's gonna be a penalty. Come on, you dumb fools! Soon as you heard the whistle, you should have known it was going to be a penalty. And obviously it was. And Piatti put it away. Uh, Donovan Ricketts got really close to it. He actually handled it a little bit, but couldn't stop it. And he really was hangry at himself. Well, he was probably hungry, but he was angry at himself after it. Because he touched it and he could have stopped it. But no, he guessed right. But uh, close to it. But no cigar, my friend. Donovan Ricketts. Oh, bad memories watching him. And Donovan Ricketts was, uh, was Ricketts-like in this game. Great saves, flashy saves, but sometimes very scary when he touches the ball. And it's a good thing he was not playing for Montreal. A player that was playing for Montreal is his first game. Cromberg and the goalkeeper, Evan Bush, with a little injury, resting up, making sure he was going to be fine for the CONCACAF Champions League game, which we'll be talking about in a second. Well, Cromberg did a couple of great saves. Couldn't really be blamed on the goals, even though he handled the second goal, which was scored by Kaká. And the first goal, he created all and gave it a last second. And I think it was Avila or you know, Ribeiro. I think it was Ribeiro that finished it. So, yeah. Can't remember off the top of my head. But, yes, it was a long time ago already. Eight days ago. Eight days a week. Yeah, I wish there was eight days and weeks and weeks. But, yeah, so that basically what happened in this game is what we don't want it to happen in the next game. Which the next game will be this Tuesday in Alahuela. And Costa Rica for the Congress Champions League. But just to wrap up the MLS so far, not a win yet, but you know what? Another point in the bank. And yes, it might not seem a lot, just a point by point, but it's better than none. And eventually those two points will be coming handy. But we do need to win, not to get gapped, but so far Montreal is not gapped yet. So after three games in the league... Zero wins, one defeat, and two draws. Well, Montreal is not got not gapped. That's all that we wanted to happen for now. And don't get gapped. Get that trophy in Concacaf, or get that last victory in Costa Rica to bring you to maybe another trip to Costa Rica for the finals. We'll talk about that. 
That's all right. So let's just do it. Let's take a second and we'll talk about how we don't want it. No La Remontada. The first game in USL, big momentous occasion, uh, set pieces. How important were the set pieces today and was it something that was lacking maybe of uh, set pieces experience? Obviously, yes. Uh, especially, you know, bad decision in the, in the box. So uh, even if, if we're working on it, uh, it's still a decision that the players have to make uh, as fast as possible. And, uh, and this one, uh, we, we don't, didn't react, uh, uh, you know, we, we react too, too slowly. So that, that, that's why we were punished. And, and that, that's also a, a lesson that we have to, we have to learn that at this level, you know, if, if you're not good, decision making is not good in the box, you, 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 you will be punished. And, and, and what, it's what happened uh, today. Des surprises agréables, non, parce qu'on s'attendait à ça. Quelques plutôt quelques surprises désagréables. Donc globalement, on est à peu près où on pensait être. Je pense que le contenu était moyen, pas mauvais mais moyen. Donc il y en a qui ont confirmé bon, qu'ils ont définitivement le niveau et qui, qui vont nous aider et amener un plus. D'autres montrent qu'ils sont encore un petit peu juste à ce niveau-là, mais je pense que ça fait aussi partie de, de l'apprentissage, surtout dans les, dans les premiers matchs. Donc euh, non, c'est globalement pas de surprise. Qu'est-ce que tu à la mi-temps Tu as changé des joueurs de place à la mi-temps Sinon, qu'est-ce que tu as fait bah, De jouer plus vite, notamment vers l'avant parce qu'on manque encore un petit peu, je trouvais qu'on manquait un petit peu de confiance pour jouer vers l'avant et notamment leur poser le problème de la profondeur. Euh, ce qu'on n'a pas bien fait en première mi-temps, ce qu'on a mieux fait en deuxième mi-temps, mais ils jouaient plus bas, donc c'était un petit peu moins efficace. Et surtout, euh, une de nos qualités, c'est de jouer très vite à l'opposé sur les côtés. On l'a très très mal fait aujourd'hui parce qu'on prenait beaucoup beaucoup trop de temps pour jouer à l'opposé. Donc euh, à partir du moment où on n'a pas cet aspect de surprise et puis de créer le décalage et trouver l'espace sur le côté, on, est, on a beaucoup de mal à s'exprimer. Donc en première mi-temps, on aurait pu vraiment leur faire mal là-dessus, on n'a pas été bien. En deuxième mi-temps, c'était un petit peu mieux dans la possession. Mais les, les bons moments qu'on a eus, bah, on n'a pas été, on a pas été assez, assez efficace et productif face au but. Donc ça, c'est des choses où on doit être mieux et qui sentent que quand on a l'adversaire... On est prêt à tuer l'animal, il faut le tuer. Quoi. Et là, on était prêt à le tuer et on, a, on était juste avec, euh, avec des, 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 des petites flèches où il n'y avait pas grand-chose debout. Quoi. Et, euh, on a vu une équipe qui jouait euh, un style de, de soccer assez robuste. Euh, Est-ce que c'est une volonté de, de faire cette saison ou c'était juste ce genre de match-là pour vous aujourd'hui Match robuste, tu veux dire pour toi, TFC ou... Non, pour vous, c est, c est les, les gars n'ont pas peur d'utiliser leurs épaules maintenant. Ben, heureusement, heureusement ils n'ont pas peur de les, les utiliser. Et quand on sera capable de les utiliser au bon moment, ce sera bien. Parce que nous, ce qu'on cherche, c'est jamais le défi physique, quand on a le ballon notamment. Donc de jouer avec un petit coup d'avance par rapport à l'adversaire. Je pense que certaines séquences, on l'a bien fait. Là, je, je, Dave, tu as raison. Je pense que là-dessus, on n'a pas été trop trop timide. Je pense que dans les duels, on n'a pas été mal. Euh, et, et on s'entend que TFC, c'est sans doute pas l'équipe la plus physique de, de ce championnat. Donc on va avoir des équipes qui vont être un petit peu plus robustes encore. Donc ça, c'est peut-être le bon côté. Aujourd'hui, on n'a pas été, on n'a pas mis 30 minutes à se mettre au niveau comme on avait pu le voir contre Tampa Bay Ottawa. Ça, c'est le bon côté. Maintenant, la robustesse, c'est bien, mais ce qui compte, c'est qu'est-ce qu'on fait avec le ballon. Et aujourd'hui, ça a été juste moyen. Et 
But what, what you can see in, in Asuna, it's normal. You know, he's very comfortable on the ball. Uh, you know, he's confident with the ball, and, and that's the lesson that we have to learn for this type of players. You know, you have to feeling you know even bigger when you're on the pitch and you 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 beside uh, Asun Kamara. You know, he, he he should and he will. And this type of player will bring confidence to the to the to our young players, and that what they have to learn if you know they have the skill to play with confidence and calm on the ball, but. You know, at the beginning, it's it's a bit normal that they're a bit stressed on the ball because it's the first time, the first game uh, in their life at that at that level. But they, they can they can you know they, they can watch him play and say, "Fuck, it's not that difficult." You know, to play confident, and, and then we're gonna have more chance to 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 do to, to do the difference on the pitch. And it's what was lacking today. It's a bit of that, you know, a bit of you know technical skills and confidence on the ball, and and as soon you know show that. Hey. Alla Valencia, la remontada no existe. Comprende? And yes, for the last time, you have this very weird and cheesy himno del football. So cheesy. No existe la remontada. Why do you even say that? Branded everything 3 nothing, 3 nothing for weeks, Alawalensa. No way. Montreal's coming in to score a goal. And la remontada? Well, it'll never exist. I'm telling you right now. Montreal's gonna, gonna, gonna make it to the final, people. Montreal might get to the final. And we are back here live on After Woodworks. Well, live. Live for me. Well, maybe live for you. If you want to think so, well, it's live for you too. So, ala Walense. Versus Montreal and back. The second leg of the CONCACAF Champions League semifinals. The CCL. Montreal's winning 2 nothing on aggregate. And we're coming down to Estadio Alejandro Morera Soto. To score a goal and to shock the world. And become the first Canadian team to ever make it to the finals of the CONCACAF Champions League. And the second MLS team in history after Real Salt Lake a couple of years ago. Well, it can happen, people. We'll see. So we'll talk about Alawalense for a second. Alawalense did play this Saturday a 3-1 loss against Cartaginas. But if you're looking at the squad that Alawalense playing, a lot of players that are, we could say, B players for this team, they're B squad. McDonald was not playing. Pemberton was not in goal. All the players that we've seen in Montreal, they gave trouble to the impact in the first game. We're not there. We're not playing this Saturday. But you're asking me, Kevin, uh, how did the team play since the last time Montreal beat them 2 nothing at the Big O? And so it's, it's a good question you ask. It's a very good question. Well, two victories, one loss, which is better. They're coming back on track. They were having a lot of difficulty in their spring season so far with only losses and draws before 
the game against the Impact in the Champions League. And they won their first game back in the league the Sunday after the first game. So it was Sunday, March 22nd. They played Belencito 21st. Never heard of them. Yeah, exactly. 6 nothing. they beat them. And then they played the following Wednesday against Perez Celedon. They won 2-1. Those were at, one was at home, one was away. And then against Cartaginas, they lost 3-1. They were losing 3 nothing, and they scored a goal at the end of the game. With their B squad. So you will be seeing the Pembertons. You will be in goal. You will be seeing McDonald trying to uh, do what he does best. And you will see a couple of players that were dangerous. But hopefully Montreal can hold on to the 2-0 uh, win. Well, advanced so far. And let's talk about that 2-0. And there's a great article. If you missed it, go to impactmontreal.com right now. An article by Olivier Tremblay called 2-0. 2-0. The cliche goes is the most dangerous scoring line. Well, it might be. It very well might be. And it details the last six times we've saw that score in a CONCACAF Champions League knockout stage and it's very interesting it talks about how it goes way back until well the famous Santos Laguna Montreal Impact home and away series in 2009 in the quarterfinals so great article if you have a second go to impactmontreal.com and take a read in that great uh, detail in great details it goes through how those games went and if it's true that it's a dangerous lead we'll see Montreal do need to score a goal. So this Saturday, when Montreal goes to Alawana, they need to score. And hopefully, Donadell is going to continue on the form that he has been in the last couple weeks. Really impressed me again yet last Saturday against Orlando. The great strike he did from long from about 25 yards that were dangerous and on target. That needed the parade by Ricketts. Great vision that he seems to be finding, the great chemistry and space that he seems to be finding lately. It bodes well for the future of Donadell with the impact in the midfield, barring no injuries. You always have to say that, say lately. Unfortunately, we lost a lot of players that were impactful on the pitch, and hopefully the players of the likes of Porter and Map. But it seems Montreal found the combination to overcome those adversities. Especially for the map one, Ajero has been doing very fine at the right mid attacking midfield position, being able to have a little bit more space to be able to use his speed and his pace to bait his defender, beat his marker, and get open and try to cross it. We've seen it work in the last couple of days, last couple of weeks, more accurate, and hopefully that will continue this Tuesday, 10 p.m. Eastern, TV Spa. Sportsnet 1, Sportsnet World, I guess. And uh, speaking of this game, a couple of places you can go join fans and watch this historical game from the Montreal Impact. It seems there's a lot of historical game this year with the Impact early on, and it's great. The first time Montreal eliminated the Mexican team in the home and away series. Uh, the first time they reached the semifinals. The first time they won a game in semifinals. first time they're going in Costa Rica with the lead in a knockout stage game. It's going to be very interesting. So the couple of places you can go, the usual. Le Frappé. Le Bar Frappé on Saint-Laurent. You can join the Ultras and watch the game. The newest hangout for uh, the 127, the 127 supporters group is Bar Les Trèfles. 
on Ontario, close to uh, Pinef. So you can go there and be there, watch the game with them. There's a couple of other places. Uh, the official viewing party for the Impact will be held at the Peel Pub this time. Go there early at 7 p.m. Starts a foosball tournament. It, uh, it's a tandem, so you need to be two. It's $10 per person. All the funds and profit from this event will be donated to the Impacts Foundation. So it's a great evening to go. So go early, even though the game's at 10 p.m. Go early, participate in the foosball tournament, and the winning team will get two brand new jerseys from the Impact. So uh, some swag, about $150 value for the each, so about $300 value for the tournament. So if you're not doing anything before the game, get there early, 7 p.m. at the Peel Pub, and take part in that tournament for a great cause, the Foundation of the Impact, the Impact Foundation, which last week, a couple of days before the home opener, had their Samuel Ambler annual event, an annual like, gala night, uh, trying to raise funds for uh, the, uh, the Impact Foundation once again. And there's a great video clip on YouTube, which you have the whole, well, not the whole, but some of the roster of the Montreal Impact doing a video clip singing a, a remix of a... 90s song what was the song again yes it, it's Samuel Ambler which is the best day of my life it's something like that well it's it's, it's like a remix it's, it's interesting if you want to see your favorite impact player sing and dance all together let's do this yes uh, speaking of impact player there's a new goalkeeper being on loan short term loan with the impact and he took he probably chose the best time to do it John Smith with he is a goalkeeper for the FC Edmonton, has been loaned to the Impact for the trip down to Costa Rica. Crepeau uh, is still injured. Uh, Kronberg is captied. And Evan Bush needs a backup in the weekend. Well, for this Tuesday, actually, needs a backup. So that's why John Smith is making the travel. So after trying to beat Montreal in the Voyagers Cup in the Amway Championship, which led to the impact being in this tournament in the first place. Well, he gets an all-expense-paid trip down to Costa Rica to have a probably one of the best seats in the house to watch the game. Who knows what can happen? He might actually play. But John Smith will be the backup for the impact down in Costa Rica at Aluela, which I tell you for another like 20th time on this show, Tuesday, 10 p.m. Eastern. You have to watch that game. You have to come out and watch that game. I will be either at the Peel Pub or Bar Les Trèfles. It's still up for grabs, but I will be uh, tweeting my position. It'll be either at the Peel Pub or at Les Trèfles. So come and say hi if you see me there. I know. Let's hope for the best. But you know what? I have a great feeling. I believe that Montreal will get out of Alawella. Maybe not with a victory. But with the path to a trophy, Montreal will come out of Alejandro Morera Soto Stadium with a ticket to the final. And can you imagine? I think Montreal will have home field advantage for that final. So that second that second game would be at Montreal, either Stade Saputo or Olympic Stadium. Probably Olympic Stadium, so you can get a lot of people in it. But yeah. I believe Montreal will come in Alejandro Morero Soto, score an early goal, and then 
stand, they, they'll, they'll absorb. Yeah, they'll bend. They'll break twice. It's going to be 2-1 at Lowellense. But that means Montreal wins 3-2 in aggregate. Montreal moves on. That would be awesome. That would be insane. That would be the biggest moment of Canadian soccer in my history. I might be fool. I might be biased in that opinion. But I think that could be probably be it. So look for this Tuesday night. Until then, uh, tomorrow, Monday. Well, when you listen to this, probably at the same time. Uh, USL Radio with Evan Ream from Sacramento. Covers Sacramento FC. Covers soccer in the district for high school as well. So we'll talk to him about the USL team of Sacramento, the potential of having that team in MLS eventually. And it'll be just a great conversation with Evan Ream tomorrow on USL Radio. And until then, go Montreal and have a great soccer. John Dinkota. Après, on a perdu le match, mais on a bien, on a bien commencé. Dans le contenu, c'était pas mal. Après, on a perdu sur deux, euh, deux erreurs euh, isolées, des erreurs individuelles. Donc, ça qui est un peu euh, qui est dommage. Un peu de la déception à la fin du match, mais plus ou moins des, pas trop de regrets. Votre coach a souvent dit que peut-être la marge de manœuvre entre U23 Impact et USL Pro, c'est peut-être le côté physique. Est-ce que vous avancez cette différence contre USL Non, non, plus pas vraiment. C'est arrivé, c'est arrivé sur le terrain, c'est 11 hommes contre 11 hommes, donc il n'y a pas de la différence physique, elle est vraiment, elle est vraiment moindre. Ça va plus dans le, l'intensité qu'on met. Si on regarde et... Toronto qui ont joué une saison complète la saison dernière en Ligue 1, est-ce que vous avez une différence d'expérience de niveau sur le terrain aujourd'hui Non. Non, comme j'ai, comme j'ai dit, dans le contenu, on n'a pas été déclassé. Dans le contenu, on a, on a, on a été relativement, relativement correct. Donc, euh, je ne crois même pas qu'on a été inférieur à eux dans le contenu. C'est vraiment à la fin, pour gagner, il faut marquer des buts. Ils en ont marqué, on n'en a pas marqué. Donc, c'est aussi simple que ça, euh, au final. Si on regarde aujourd'hui, vous avez eu plus de chances que le dernier match pré-saison. Vous avez eu mm-hmm. 4-5 chances comparé notamment à une en fin de match. Mm-hmm. Qu'est-ce que vous devez faire pour avoir des meilleures chances de marquer encore plus Il y a plein de, il y a plein, plein, plein de facteurs là, mais euh, peut-être un peu plus de, de, d'agressivité offensive, c'est-à-dire euh, aller, aller vraiment jusqu'au bout de nos actions et croire un peu plus sur les centres, tout ce genre de trucs là, mais ouais, ça serait, ça serait un peu plus ça parce que dans, comme j'ai dit dans le contenu, on a été pas mal, dans les actions amenées, ça a été pas, ça a été relativement bon. C'est juste arriver dans le tir offensif, c'est la différence, c'est celui qui croit va la mettre au fond et celui qui croit plus ou moins, ben Ça te frappe le poteau, ça passe à côté ou ça. Voilà. Ça doit être doux à main pour toi parce qu'en première demi, tu sauves le but, puis en deuxième demi, tu te prends un, un contre-son camp. Comment mmh. tu. Bah, comme le. Après, sur le. Comme c'est commencé à arriver, j'ai pas. Je peux pas. J'ai pas. J'aurais pas pu faire grand-chose. Mais à, à chaud comme ça, je suis. Frust... Beaucoup de frustration. Beaucoup de frustration, de la déception aussi. Mais, mais je sais que j'aurais, j'aurais pas pu faire grand-chose. C'est. C'est dommage, c'est un coup, un coup de malchance. Victor Ndiaye. Beaucoup d'occasions dans des matchs comme ça. Donc quand je la vois prendre le poteau, évidemment je suis déçu, je me dis peut-être que je vais avoir une autre, mais je sais que si je la marque là, tout le match change, c'est, ça, devient, ça devient autre chose. Après, je rate rien, le contrôle est bon, la frappe elle est bonne, ça, ça dévisse un peu, peut-être si c'était un autre ballon, peut-être si j'avais moins mis de force, je sais pas, ça, ça aurait peut-être changé quelque chose. 
Mais ouais, c'est un peu de déception. Là. Quand j'y repense maintenant, c'est un peu de déception. Sur le coup, je me suis dit, c'est bon, on est dans le match, mais sur... maintenant, à froid, là, je me dis que ça aurait peut-être pu changer quelque chose. La transition en attaquant, ça se passe bien euh, Ouais, ben, je fais ce que je peux. C'est pas, pas mon poste de prédilection, là, mais euh, ouais, j'essaie de faire ce que je peux, de proposer un peu de profondeur, de descendre au milieu, créer un peu de supériorité, mais il faut que je m'habitue un peu. C'est toujours difficile de changer. Les meilleures chances de Montréal aujourd'hui, c'est soit les, les passes que tu as fait ou l'écrit ou ce que tu as créé toi-même qu'est-ce qu'il aurait manqué pour réussir à battre Toronto on dirait qu'à la fin vous avez quand même les dernières minutes vous avez plus de contrôle vous êtes capable de mouver de bouger plus vers l'avant meilleur mouvement euh, offensif qu'est-ce que vous a manqué pour, pour euh, les derniers tiers pour réussir à avoir ce but pour faire la différence ouais. faut, il faut avoir fait là. quand on rentre dans la boîte là, il faut dans les derniers 6 mètres là, il faut avoir l'envie de marquer si on vient comme si on est à l'entraînement euh... Ouais, le gars va faire un centre et je vais venir et si ça passe, je marque, ça ne marchera pas. Là. Il faut couper devant les gens, il faut, faut y croire un peu, avoir un peu plus faim. Là. Si on a un peu plus faim dans les 10 derniers mètres, là, je suis sûr qu'aujourd'hui on peut marquer 2-3 buts facilement. Tu mets ça, tu mets-tu le blanc sur le fait que c'est le début de la saison? Euh, non, parce qu'on s'entraîne souvent. C'est un problème qu'on avait eu un peu l'an passé aussi en PDL. Euh, je sais pas. Je, non, 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 je pense que c'est nous qui doit juste changer notre état d'esprit. Avoir un peu plus soin, à savoir qu'il y a une occasion de but, il faut la mettre dedans. Et... Est-ce que vous vous sentez à niveau avec Toronto Vous vous sentez un peu euh, à niveau égal ben, Ils nous ont battus, c'est dur de dire on est plus fort qu'eux, mais moi je le pense qu'on était plus fort qu'eux aujourd'hui. Ben, ils nous prennent le but sur coup de pied arrêté. Le deuxième, c'est une contre-attaque, on est en train de pousser, donc on est en infériorité derrière. Ça compte pas vraiment ces buts-là, même si c'est même si Marc il joue bien le coup. Là. Ouais, ouais, il marque un but sur coup de pied arrêté, mais sinon, je pense que c'est nous qui créons un peu plus de danger là, durant le match. Le, le step entre la PDL et USL, est-ce qu'il est comme vous pensiez ou un petit peu, un petit peu plus haut? Ben, je suis pas fervent de ce discours, moi, de quand tu montes de ligue, oui, ça, oui, bien sûr, ça joue plus vite, mais non, je suis pas fervent. Non, 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 parce que justement, il faut, faut se dire qu'on joue 11 hommes contre autres 11 hommes, donc il faut arrêter à un moment donné de se dire, ouais, ça monte de niveau, ça joue plus vite, ça... C'est bon, là, on a fait des intersquads contre les pros, la plupart ont joué des MLS réserves. Euh, on a une génération de 18 qui sont rendus en demi-finale demi -finale de la USSD, donc c'est la meilleure académie en Amérique du Nord. Il faut arrêter de regarder les gens comme ouais, si on monte d'un step. Mais non, non, au contraire, je ne non, non, suis vraiment pas fan de ce discours-là. Louis Belangoyette, a.k.a. LBG. Okay. Vous pensez sur le match, euh, premier match de la saison Ouais, ben, je pense pour un premier match USL, la première mi-temps, ça a vraiment bien été. Dans le contenu, j'ai vraiment vu des belles choses. Après ça, on s'effondre un peu. Là, et, le, le tempo change complètement. Et puis, ça, nous, ça nous lâche des mains. Est-ce que tu vois une grosse différence entre la MLS et la USL? Euh, oui, oui, vraiment physiquement, techniquement. Il y a vraiment, de ce que j'ai joué en Nouvelle-Angleterre l'année passée, là, il y a vraiment une grosse différence. Tu regardes un seul caméra qui est sur, quasiment sur chaque action qui a créé, causé quelque chose aujourd'hui. Qu'est-ce que vous pouvez apprendre du jeu de caméra pour transposer ça dans le reste de la USA cette année? Ben, c'est ça, je pense que chaque joueur, on doit le regarder. Puis, euh, comme tu dis, à chaque fois qu'il y avait le ballon, il créait quelque chose. Donc, euh, c'est cette énergie-là qu'on a besoin, euh, c'est ce dévouement-là qu'il faut amener à chaque match USA qu'on joue. Quand tu rentres dans le match, déjà, on voit que tu crées quelque chose, que tu changes. Es-tu content de ton match, toi, personnel? Personnellement, euh, j'aurais pu perdre beaucoup moins de ballons. Pour moi, euh, vraiment la perte de balles, c'est vraiment important. Je, je regarde beaucoup mes stats là-dessus, mais euh, en termes de créer une occasion, euh, je pense que j'ai pas mal fait là, dans les euh, je sais pas 20-25 minutes que j'ai joué. C'est un 
à fait le père de mi, vous avez eu une très chance, une belle passe que malheureusement a eu sur la barre, sur le, sur le poteau. Est-ce que vous avez joué plus aérien, vous avez réussi à réussir cette passe-là, ou est-ce que c'était une directive de vous avez réussi quelques jeux aériens plus facilement qu'au sol? Bien, je pense pas que c'est une directive dans nos principes de jeu avec la USL de jouer des ballons longs. Mais on a vu que Toronto était tellement écarté, tellement il y avait beaucoup d'espace. Donc la longue balle, c'était vraiment une option vraiment intéressante à faire dans tout le match. Là. Vraiment, je pense qu'on créait beaucoup de choses quand on touchait les côtés avec la passe aérienne. So we'll start with John Dincota. John Dincota was saying that it's a bittersweet. Yes, he saved the goal, but eventually he had an own goal because he was there when the ball touched him and went back to the net after a save in the second half that led to the second goal on the counterattack. So uh, that was basically the John Dincota. He was happy, but it was bittersweet for him. If we're moving on to Victor Ndiaye, Victor Ndiaye was saying two main things in his post-game interview. First thing is that... Hey, He believes they need to be more hungry to get that goal. They need to be more aggressive in that final third, especially in the box. They're trying to get that finish. And you can't win a game if you don't score a goal. And basically, that's what he was saying, that they were missing that little hunger in the box, that little fight in them to get that final touch or that final pass just right. That's what he was saying. And the other thing is, he, he doesn't believe that there's a... He's, he doesn't believe in the... The narrative that the USL is a big step above the PDL where they were. He believed that it's 11 men against 11 men and you have to make do and prove it on the pitch. And I believe that's the right attitude towards it. So that's what he was saying as well. Then we moved on to LBG. LBG was saying there's a big step though between USL and Major League Soccer. You had the chance to play against New England last year for the impact. And he... Notice a big difference technically, tactically, but especially on the ball, the confidence on the ball. That's what he was saying. There's a big difference with this. Speaking of balls, there was a long ball was easier in this game. And he was saying that, no, it wasn't a directive by the coach to have a long ball, to play the long ball. But they noticed that Toronto were playing really wide. They were maybe too wide, too spread apart. And they were easy to try to pick apart that way. So that explained the amount of long ball we did see in that FC Montreal game. By the way, if you want to listen to any USL game, you can. USLsoccer.com. You can listen to almost every game streamed live on this show and archived on the show on this site and archived as well. Uh, the Montreal feed is commentated by Joey Alfieri and Olivier Brett. Uh, Joey Alfieri, friend of the show, who gave us audio a couple times. So uh, good luck, good job to them on their first game and good job on the gig and uh, good luck for the rest of the season. And that wraps it up for Off Twitworks again Tuesday 10 p.m. Concacaf Champions League semifinal. Have a great Champions League.